0: Dylan, the show that celebrates the work of Bob Dylan, one song at a time, proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm your host, the freewheeling Rob Kelly, and our executive producer, David Ace Gutierrez is back. Hello, David. Hey. Happy
1: 2018. Happy, happy 2018. I, I, hope, I was hoping you would introduce me the way Chrissy Hyde introduced George Harrison at the concert. What did she say? I forget.
0: What, how did she introduce him?
1: I mean, I was um, there, I, I should mention, but... Uh, I so, yeah, can't, first, well, because they'll know what, show what song we're talking about when they, you know...
0: Well, they, he did sing two you know. songs. Anyway, all right, let's... The song we're talking about is <laughs> If Not For You, which is from 1970 off of Bob's New Morning album. And the reason David is here is because this song has a lot of history intertwined with his favorite Beatle, who is... George Harrison. George Harrison, of course. And when George Harrison appeared at the 30th anniversary concert for Bob Dylan in 1992, which I attended, uh, that, this is one of the songs that he sang. He sang If Not For You. So is that the version that you're most familiar? Is that, like, was that the first version you ever heard of it? Was the Harrison one?
1: Well, yeah. Oh, From All Things Must Pass, yeah. I, okay. th- that version, If Not For You, isn't available on the discs or the movies of the, the Harrison show. I mean, of the, of the Dylan show. Um, I, it's only absolutely Sweet Marie. Is it really? Yeah. Um, there, there, there are two versions of Don't Think Twice It's All Right uh, at a rehearsal and the, the one Clapton did it on the night, but no, uh, if not for you.
0: I didn't. Oh, wow. I have I that on that. CD somewhere. I forgot all about that. There were some weird recording screw ups with that concert. It's very strange. So, uh, so you're familiar with the one from All Things Must Pass?
1: Right, right. Okay. I, 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 and let's welcome everyone to the first uh, episode of All Things Must Pod. That's right. That's right. That's
0: right. Well, this is this is a backdoor pilot, as they say, <laughs> to the show that you're going to be doing about about George Harrison. Uh, yeah, this is a song that Bob Dylan recorded uh, in 1970. He was working on two albums simultaneously, which were Self Portrait. And New Morning. And he was just kind of recording lots of stuff. He was doing a bunch of covers and he was mixing in new songs. And at the time, there was no, he didn't necessarily uh, designate which one was for which. He was kind of just recording different things. He recorded, if not for you, at the self-portrait sessions, but left it aside and then eventually self-portrait kind of uh, congealed uh, as if a giant hunk of fat into the album that it became, which was really which <laughs> just a double album of covers, and then New Morning became an album of all originals. Now, the version that exists on New Morning, I like very much, uh, but it's like Bob Dylan at as uh, AOR. You know what I mean? Like it's just like Bob Dylan middle of the road song. I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, there's I swear to God, I think there's a Triangle
1: on on the version. Yeah, it's, it's um, it's it jangly. Yeah. Ding, ding, ding. You
0: know, it's like, it's very atypical sound. And at the time, and this is not something I knew until years later when I read it, is that uh, George Harrison showed up around around the time and they worked on a bunch of songs together. And one was a version, if not for you, which later appeared on the Bootleg series, which to me is infinitely superior to the one that appeared on New Morning. It's got some wonderful slide guitar by Mr. Harrison. And the thing I love about it, the informality is you hear the guitar come in and then it gets quiet and you hear Bob quietly say, Hey George. And then they start singing the song. And I love that they left that in. I love, I just love the idea of these two huge people just hanging out and having fun. And it's a great version, and I really wish they had used it on the album because I just think it's just – it's just so much more powerful than the one on the record, which I do like. But the one with Harrison is just terrific.
1: Have you heard the version from the um, from the warm-up sessions for uh, the concert for Bangladesh?
0: Yeah. Uh, wait, the con- – no, not the one for the concert for Bangladesh. He was going
1: to do it. Har- um, um, not Harrison. Dylan was going to do it there. Oh, I didn't know that. changed oh, well. his mind. But there's footage of them just um, rehearsing, and uh, they gave it a shot, and it's very spare – Mm-hmm. But it is it is great, and it's along the same lines where it's just it's just these two guys playing. Wonderful, wonderful version. Interesting.
0: I didn't. I did not know that. Um, yeah, there's a. Uh, the, the the song is very simple. I mean, it's in Bob Dylan in 1970 was a pretty happy guy. He was holed up in Woodstock with his wife, and they were making babies, and he was making music kind of at his own. Uh, sort of at his own schedule, and he just seemed like a kind of an enormously happy guy. Probably the happiest he's ever really been. I mean, if it's it, you, would be hard pressed to find a lot of strife in the songs in New Morning. And uh, the 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 lines are very very simple. It's if not for you, babe, I couldn't find the door. Couldn't even see the floor. I'd be sad and blue if not for you. If not for you, babe, I lay awake all night, wait for the morning light to shine on through. But it would not be new if not for you. If not for you, my sky would fall. Rain would gather too. Without your love, I'd be nowhere at all. I'd be lost if not for you, and you know it's true. And one of the things I like about this song, and this is something he used a, a sort of a, I don't want to say trick, but it's a, it's a technique that he used later on for most of the time off of Oh Mercy, which is a song Ryan Daly and I covered. I love that Bob uses the the title, If Not For You, as both the opening of verses and the end of verses. I like that. I like that it's it kicks off. You know, uh, it kicks off the song and then ends the you know end songs ends the verse as well. I think that's a, that's a neat effect. It's a really nice, beautiful little song. I mean, Bob really knew how to write great love songs, and you know, he was certainly capable of writing these complicated, huge, verbose things. And then he could strip it down like he does here, and makes it very direct. Now, was
1: it was a decision to on what went on what album was that producer? That's always going to be was Dylan. The... That was always going to okay. be Bob. Yeah, I mean even Bob, then. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Bob Johnston was his
0: producer at this time. And Bob Johnston, I mentioned this on the previous show, Bob Johnston has famously said his version of producing Bob Dylan is hitting the record button and then hitting stop. That, to him, that was what you did to to produce Bob Dylan. So uh, Dylan called the shots on all the stuff. And it ended up working out because I think if you had buried some of these original songs on self-portrait – amid all the kind of crap that's on that record, right. uh, it, these songs would have got lost. I, I like that New Morning exists as its own thing. It's its own original. But again, I, I wonder why he preferred the version that ends up on the album with the version to the Harrison one. Because to me, the Harrison one is just so much more interesting. It just That slide guitar that Harrison plays is just
1: fantastic. Well, that's his thing, you know, being right. one of the great slide guitars. I, why was um, – so, so this was Woodstock. So this was around the time the Beatles had already separated –
0: yeah this is right after that, yes
1: yeah well, he was yeah Harrison was kind of lost at that point, not musically, but you know in terms of what what he would be doing next, right. so yeah and i I always thought that I always found it interesting that dylan he never really seemed to directly influence Harrison's plan or his mm-hmm. lyrics that much, but you could always see that there was a a tonal shift. I mean, if you look at the Beatles' music, right? And I'm, I'm not trying to turn this into a Beatles show, but I'm trying I'm to talk sure about their relationship will. together. Um, Lennon was the one who always cited the Dylan influence. Yes, yes. And but and yet somehow Harrison and and Dylan were the ones that became, like, the unit. And then that beca- and then you know eventually you end up with the Wilburys. So that I've always I've always I've always appreciated the, the friendship between the two of them, and how musically that they, kind of circled one another and and. Occasionally intersected, mm-hmm. but um, Dylan never did any Harrison songs himself, right? He never he never put out any any covers. The closest
0: uh, Bob ever has done, as far as I can tell, if, I mean they did they did sing some Beatles songs during those sessions in nineteen seventy. Right, right. They right. sang uh, they all they did weird covers. They sang like da Do Run Ron" and all weird. Like they I think they even tried I "Want to Hold Your Hand" or something. And they were just goofing around. The I but I think the closest. Bob ever has like officially covered a Harrison song was right after George Harrison died and he sang something in concert uh, at the end of one of his shows. And I think that's about that's the closest we ever got. It's interesting you mentioned that relationship because yeah, when both Bob and the Beatles were coming up, uh, they you know were highly influential to one another and they hung out. It's kind of amazing they never recorded together. Can you imagine what that might sound like to like to have the Beatles well, it's
1: like. Like and for huge egos. Yeah,
0: well, that's well, that's that's <laughs> funny you say that because in, initially, Lenin and Dylan seemed to be the ones that hit it off. There's right. that famous footage of them in the back of a cab where they're talking, and you know, uh, as you mentioned, Lenin, you know, openly talked about that that Dylan influenced him with Norwegian Wood and all this stuff, and then Dylan was then influenced by that right back and all this stuff. But then it seems like over the late '60s. Dylan's relationship with Lennon subsided a little and he sort of picked up with Harrison and then that took off and then they remained kind of the best friends. And in fact, you know, uh, Lennon's relationship with Dylan, I think, seemed a little strained. And and even in the late 70s, uh, Lennon sang that song about I don't believe in Zimmerman. Like he attacked Dylan via song. So I I think it. I get the sense that Harrison and Dylan, while certainly – both of them had pretty large egos. I didn't get the sense there was a competition. I got the sense that they just didn't – and with Lennon and Dylan, you could see it a little more. But I, I get the feeling that George and Bob just got along really well, you know, and they just didn't have that right. tension. And so which is why they kind of weaved in and out of each other's lives uh, throughout the 70s and into the 80s and, of course, into the Woolberries. And, you know, without, without Harrison, Dylan was in a really bad spot, you know. I mean, right. thank, thank goodness for George. But – uh
1: that's what I say. Yeah,
0: but their their, their collaboration on, on If Not For You is, is really terrific. It's a beautiful – and, you know, it's clearly – If Not For You is clearly a romantic song. But if you want to, you could talk about – it's a friendship. It's any relationship that you care about. You know, it's someone that does a lot for you. I mean, it's it's – if, if not for you, my sky would fall. Rain would gather, too. Without your love, know, I'd Rob. be nowhere at all. <laughs> I'm talking to you, David. Oh, what would I do <laughs> if not for you? If not for you, winter would have no spring. Couldn't hear the robin sing. I just wouldn't have a clue. Anyway, it wouldn't ring true if not for you. It's just, it's beautiful. Pu- it's, it's, pre- it's pretty. It's poetry, it's man. Beautiful. It's beautiful. It's poetry. It's really, really nice. And um, the one other version that I did want to mention is I have a bootleg of it from 2000, just a random concert that he did and it is one of my favorite like live things that I've heard him do because he really gets into it and you could kind of hear the interplay with the band as he gets to the end of each verse and the band kind of really kicks into gear and he plays with the words and sort of teases out how to say it at one point he kind of he rushes it where he says if not for you and he says it real fast and then another verse he stretches it out and you could hear him pl- kind of playing with it live on stage yeah. and it's interesting, I mean a lot of people have asked you know, Why does he keep doing this? The guy's rich, you know what I mean He doesn't have to keep playing He's, he's a 75 year old man, 76 year old man He doesn't need to be playing 150 shows a year Why is he, why is he putting himself through this? And I think it's moments like that That's why he does it is, is to capture something In the moment, spontaneous That the song is no longer Him just trying to reproduce it as best he can from the record, because he was never concerned about that anyway. He's creating this thing live in that moment in front of these people, like a play, and it'll never be done this way again. And it's it, for all for the hundreds of concerts I have of his on on CD. Most of it, you know, don't re, they don't replace the album versions. You know, I like them, but they and they're interesting to hear but they're not like oh well that's the version i listen to more no it's almost always the album version but then something like this and i go oh that's that's terrific that's a terrific version and i love the way he does it and i wish i wish i had ever chance to see him play it i never have he has only done it so far 89 times in concert he never played
1: yeah <laughs> only I, 89 only well, Went over yeah over um, like 50 years when it, but, yeah, oh, yeah over
0: 50 years he has never he never played it in concert until 1992 that so with the song remained dormant for 22 years and then he brought it out in 1992, and the last time he did it was in 2004. So he kind of had this brief period where he was playing it again, and then not again since. So, you know, I don't know. I guess it's probably one of those ones that's lost at the mist of time. I get the feeling that it was brought back in '92, and then uh, almost maybe in anticipation of Harrison doing it or something, because of course the 30th anniversary concert was in October of '92. So wish maybe, he did, yeah, yeah, which he did there. It was probably on the now. Yeah. What do you think of the Harrison version?
1: Um, I love it. Now it's it's very different. You know the the um, the album version that that Dylan put out is is very produced, right? And I don't mean that in a bad way, but I mean it's a very oh, very it, lush but it is. sound. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, the the Harrison version is equally produced because that was that was when he was working with Phil Spector. How could it not and, be? with uh, Phil Spector. Sorry. How could, how could it not be produced if you had Phil Spector? Well, the wallet sound. Right? The wall of sound. But then, well, it depends what version you listen to. When the reissue came out a few years ago for uh, All Things Must Pass, uh, um, Harrison brought down a lot of the. I guess, the wall, he took down some of the walls, so it's not quite as overpowering in the reissue, but it's, it's a lot more, it, it's a little more lush and playful, and I think it's a more, it's a, he does a more romantic version of it than Dylan's, than Dylan's, um, than Dylan's version. It's, because, you know, you have, you have Billy Preston on the organ, you have, you have Ringo on the drums, and you have Klaus Vorman, who is, um, who has a long history with the Beatles, st- uh, dating back to the Stuart Secklefira, on bass guitar, Gary Wright on piano, so it's 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 a jam. You know what I mean? It's it. Well, all things must pass is really just like one giant jam. Mm-hmm. It's a triple album jam. So it's a very it's a band and more. It, it's it's more of a band product, I would say, than Dylan's. Does that make sense?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, because uh, uh, Spectre was more concerned about was what well, that one's more concerned because that's not a fair judgment. But Spectre was very concerned about getting everything in. Right. You know, he was. You know, like he and um Brian Wilson were just they had to hear it all and it all had to be upfront. So that's that it it's a very it's a it's 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 like a blanket of sound as opposed to a wall, really, I think. <laughs> so it, it's um a warm, snuggly blanket of sound. <laughs> it is. I love the song and I love the way Harrison sings it. It's very sincere. You know, not that Dylan doesn't, but you know, obviously my where my preference goes, right? Um but I will say, as much as I love this, that stripped down version where it's just the two of them. Either either version, the, the version from the from the um, Bangladesh rehearsals, or the one or, or the one um, that you sent me. From the Those here. are, yeah, yeah th- those are superior, I think, because it's it's it captures the sentiment of the song in in, in a better way, I think, especially when when, um, when they when because they sing together in the Bangladesh one, mm-hmm. they're harmonized. And then that really, I think that really cements what the song is doing and saying, because you have these two friends and they're singing together, and it's very spare. Get, Harrison's guitar work on it, because it, you know there's just two, two acoustic gu- guitars, is very spare, and he's really and he's he's not trying to overshadow Dylan, he's just trying to accompany Dylan. Right. And it's still very much Dylan's song, so I, I that that is my favorite version.
0: Okay. Yeah. Uh, this was released as a single. It is the only single that was pushed off of New Morning. It didn't really go anywhere. It was covered in 1971 by Olivia Newton-John. Uh, that version of all people, and that actually charted. That's the only version of the song that actually reached you know whatever the top 100 charts or whatever you call it. But so yeah, this thing, and it's been covered by other people over the years. It's 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 a it's a pliable song because it is so sweet, and you know it doesn't it doesn't feel terribly dylan-esque i said the words are simple it's been covered by rod stewart brian ferry richie haven sarah vaughn glenn campbell uh (laughs)
1: john
0: john mayer all kinds of people so i mean it's it's it's, but dylan can sort of crank these things out even songs that are like third level songs in terms of how famous they are and yet he's still making a lot of money off of cover versions and stuff like that he's just like a kind of amazing he can just generate these things but yeah i mean it is it is a song that is it's in, in, inextricably linked between the two guys between him and Harrison and their friendship and and how it sort of you know they bonded together over uh, the, the dissolution of the Beatles and then they did the concert the Bangladesh together and the Isle of Wight concert stuff like that and this is when they were hanging out together all the time and uh, again that just hearing Bob just say hey George I just I'm so charmed yeah. by that cause oh I love these, those
1: moments yeah
0: these guys these huge guys these just ridiculously huge figures of culture and they were just two dudes you know just hanging out together it's just kind of amazing
1: you know what I th- it's like us you know what I think a lot of it is yeah um, uh, who else could they hang out with <laughs> you know that's I mean? true yeah like uh, who else gets it and, and who would you and who, and who does the compliment mean more coming from like uh, and, and it sounds terrible to say but like if someone like you or me went up to Bob Dylan and say you have no idea what this song meant to me he's like alright thanks
0: yeah, he's heard but that he 40 billion times. It. Yeah,
1: that's like, oh my god. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, mm-hmm. I, I got, I got one of them. Mm-hmm. I mean, you wouldn't get this from Paul. <laughs> you wouldn't get a compliment like that from McCartney. Yeah, but, uh, but no, I, I really think a lot of, a, a lot of their friendship just comes from that. From there are very few spots, or people, or places where they can bond and just be normal, mm-hmm. or they have become. And so they kind of formed this mutual admiration society, and, uh, and 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 it's all because of the love of music and what each other did, or d- does, or did, I guess. Really, is a better way. And and uh, yeah, I just I just figure who else can who else who else is relatable than a be and Bob Dylan. Hmm. Harrison
0: famously said, uh, "If the Wilburys had done nothing else, it got Bob Dylan to write songs again, and so it was all worth it." Which is what an extraordinary compliment, you know, what an amazing thing to say about your friend that you know hey George Harrison's time is pretty valuable and for him to say well I was willing to waste a couple afternoons but if it if it got Bob writing songs again then it was worth my time like wow that's a, that's extraordinary you know so it's a uh, it's yeah it's very sweet and I said it's a it's a I wish I would love to hear Bob singing in concert he kind of really I, the last couple of shows I've seen he has like completely ignored the 70s like just his entire 70s output he does not do anything from maybe once in a while I think the last time I saw him he did Tangled Up in Blue and like that's it but he doesn't do anything from this album at all and I would love to hear it because I think the live version of it is terrific and it's it every, I like every version there's you know there's a there's an alternate one even on the the, the later bootleg series where uh, it's a slower version where he cut that for around the self-portrait thing. And that's a good version, too. But, again, the one with Harrison is, is just terrific. And you'll hear a little bit at the end of the show. So, uh, I don't know. Is that it? Do we have anything else we want to say about well, not curious. for you? Does he ever talk about this song? Does he ever mention why he, he doesn't play it? Not that I've ever – I've never seen him ever talk about any of that. I've never seen anybody even ask him about that stuff. I, I That, to me, would be fascinating just to ask him, like, how do you decide – You know, like, how do you decide what, I mean, I know you're going to sing certain stuff from new albums or whatever, but like, do you just decide to like ignore certain albums or do you, like, does the band ever get to pick? I'd love to know that, (laughs) you know what I mean? Jack Frost picking. Yeah, I mean, really, I, I would that to me that stuff would be fascinating to know how he decides it. There, there are whole. I've seen the guy twenty
1: two times, and there are whole albums he's I've never heard live. I've never heard anything well, from him. It's live. an embarrassment of riches for the guy, you know. Oh yeah. and, 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 and what's nice about him is I don't think he feels the pressure to play the hits like. No, like, I don't. I'm not gonna. I don't like to make a lot of comparisons to McCartney, but it's a contemporary of his, right? So sure. if you go to a McCartney show, you know, about what 85 to 90% of that show is going to be. Right. You're going to
0: get Hey Jude. You're going to get right.
1: Yeah. You might get a Mrs. Vanderbilt here or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm okay. surprised, but for the most part, it, the show is the show is the show as it's been for years. Um, with like three songs that he'll change out because that's the album he, he might be supporting. Mm-hmm. Um, but with Dylan, it is a, first of all, you really have to go to school to, to, to get it to get a Dylan concert, I think mm-hmm. if you have to have immersed yourself into those albums. Otherwise, it's going to be a lot of "Oh, what what is this?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Uh, what year is this from? Is it... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's... The fact that he doesn't even—I don't even know how how much. Do you do you follow his set list? Does he go from does? How much does he change it from like night to night?
0: Not a lot. Um, it basically remains the same, and then you'll have one or two songs that get changed up. And then he'll take some time off, and he'll do like another leg of the tour, and then it'll change more dramatically there. So, it, so, but I mean, he has these things they call alternates, where they can, I guess, have rehearsed a number of songs, and then the, they can slot in what they feel like playing in any given night. But it doesn't, it doesn't night to night. It doesn't change a whole lot. But then over time, it will. You'll look at it and say, "Wow, the show, the songs he was singing in." June of 2015 are very different than the songs he was singing of June 2016. So, yeah, he changes it up a lot. Like I said, it it, it would be fascinating to see. One of the pieces of footage I love from that 30th anniversary concert, which we talked about, is the people who were there to cover his songs had his book, his lyrics book. And they were out and they're like all riffing through pages and they're deciding what to sing. And I love that, like this giant tome of stuff that you can just pick through. Like, oh, let me do this one, this one, this one. So, yeah, I, think it was it- I thought it was interesting that Harrison sang Absolutely Sweet Marie because he doesn't have any particular connection to that song. So he maybe just likes it. Um, oh, he loved
1: it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: You know, so. But, but I mean, there, if not for there, you, I understood why he sang that one.
1: There's, there's a Rock Island live, live um, when uh, Harrison was promoting, uh, I think I told you a story, when Harrison was promoting Cloud Nine and Jeff Lynn's in the studio with him and he starts to sing people start requesting that Harrison sing in the studio and he kind of does like he, you know, he'll do bits and pieces and he, and, and one thing Harrison would do was just leap from one of his songs to somebody else's or something. And he started singing verses of Mr. Tambourine man. And in the middle of it he says, Oh, Bob, you write so many goddamn words. <laughs> <laughs> Cause he can't remember them all. He's trying to play. And So yeah, no, there was, uh, there's is there's is such a great, was such a great friendship. And, yeah. um, Anyway,
0: that's terrific. I said it's a great song, if not for you, it's a terrific song. And again, if you're going to hunt one down, give the the bootleg series one from Bootleg Series volumes one to three. That to me, that's the, the best version, and just to hear them hear that slide guitar is just fantastic. So and
1: look up the Bangladesh version on YouTube. Look up the Bangladesh version. Absolutely, there's, there's versions not all over the place. Yeah, he chose not to perform it. That night. you know uh, what's funny about the Bangladesh thing was that. Dylan wasn't even sure he was he was up for performing that night.
0: Yeah, I heard that he decided to the last minute whether he was going to show up or not. Bob can, Bob's not always the easiest person to work with, I imagine, even for George Harrison. So
1: he was the headline, like, like he was I know. i know.
0: like Bob. You kind of have to show up, buddy. You know, kind of a big deal.
1: Yeah. Oh man. Uh, yeah. Oh well. Uh, you better- when I do my Bangladesh concert, Rob, you better show and play.
0: Okay. Oh, yeah. Well, that'll be great. Uh, so, well, anyway, David, thank you so much. Thank you for coming on. Anytime. Really appreciate to talk to you. And uh, thank you for doing all the executive producing. I mentioned previous episodes, but you really were the one that put together the Joan Osborne thing, and thank you so much for that. So,
1: you're out there beating the bushes, which I appreciate. Next up, Jack, Jack Frost. I've, I've heard. I've, I'm, I'm in touch with his people. That'll be he's very really, exciting. He's really elusive.
0: That'll be very, very exciting. I'm going to ask him what Mr. Tambourine Man means. It's going to be fantastic. So uh, <laughs> thanks. We'll have a link to David's Twitter feed in the show notes, and you can see all the stuff he does, stuff he writes for Emmys.com, things like that. Uh, you, of course, back episodes of our show can be found on our network site, which is fireandwaterpodcast.com. And we're always talking Bob Dylan over on Twitter, which is at pod underscore Dylan. So, David, thank you once again. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we will see you later. Bye. If not for you, babe I couldn't find the door, couldn't even see the floor, I'd be sad and blue if not for Maybe I'd lay awake all night Wait for the morning light To shining through But it would not be new If not for you I do have a balloon.